Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Seven years ago, college wrestler Damian Hurd disappeared from a party in Gunnison, Colorado. Everyone has been drinking or whatever the usual party scene. When, how, and why he left are questions I need your help to understand. Nobody's heard from him. No, it's just like he disappeared. From Cold Case Productions and Podcast One, Final Days on Earth, The Life and Death of Damien Hurd. I'm your host, Claire Sanima. Join me April 20th for the season premiere. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dr. Drew Podcast. We do appreciate you uh, checking us out and uh, supporting the people that support us. Don't forget to head to drdrew.com, see the family of pods, the streaming show, me over at your mom's house. Come on, jeans. Come on, mommies. Head over there and see After Dark. And again, uh, the people that we support, uh, we try to select very carefully, and so we stand by what they're doing. So please support them so we can keep doing this show. Uh, Today, it is Phil Stutz, return visit. It's a, a... Triumphant return, Phil, I would say. Uh, he's got a new book. The book is The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using a Secret Formula That Elects Presidents. It's available now on Amazon. It launched this week. He did an interview. Uh, well, there's all kinds of stuff going on and we'll talk about it in a minute. WinBigMedia.com is where you can find uh, some of his consumer studies. And Philip's website himself is Philip with two L's, Stutz, S-T-U-T-T-S, Dot com previous books. Fire them now. The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell and the Truth About Political Strategies That Help Businesses Win. Phil, welcome back. Dr. Drew, I'm, uh, I think I'm trying to compete with Ryan Holiday on this. <laughs> the number of visits. Except yeah. I didn't launch your interest in the marketing. I actually launched Ryan Holiday's interest in uh, stoicism. <laughs> Do you know that? Do you know that story? <laughs> I have heard the interviews you've had with him. Yes. Uh, so he, uh, uh, and by the way, I live in this little um, beach town in the in the panhandle of Florida. Yeah. You used to come down here for spring ba- break back in the nineties, uh, and Holiday just bought or bought a couple of years ago a house just in this in this neck of the woods right. too. So, so that's so interesting. That's so interesting. Time. But let me let me let me whittle down this. You used to come down here on spring break statement <laughs> one time. One time, Carol and I were dragged down there by MTV. They set up yeah. a big stage on the beach outside between the two big clubs that are down there on the beach on the Panhandle. La Vila and Spinnaker. We were, I would not have come up with those names in a million years. Uh, but they were quite impressive. Uh, and we had this huge stage. And our guest, Gary, you will love this, our guest, Mike Myers. Wow. Mike Myers. And we were backstage, and he was going – yeah, I've got this crazy movie coming out. It's a, it's about this guy. He's like a secret agent, sort of thinks he's cool. He drives this this Jaguar with a British flag on it. We could not understand what the F he was talking about. We could not figure it out. He tried like 10 ways to explain what Austin Powers was, and he couldn't do it. It's so interesting, right? I mean, could you explain that to someone who had never seen well, it? Well, it, what's interesting about it, it's iconic now, so you never dream of it. You just right. say Austin Powers. But then before you'd ever seen Austin Powers, him trying to the, to explain an international man of mystery who wasn't really that, but he thought he was, but he kind of was. And like, okay, okay, Mike, whatever you say. Okay. And, yeah, good luck uh, with that, buddy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. I'm surely a huge hit. And uh, it's, like, it's like when uh, we had uh, – Okay, I'm going to blank on her name. She was also in a uh, Austin Powers film on the with me and Adam. She played Elizabeth Hurley. <sighs> Beyonce? No, blonde, thin blonde. Uh, help me. She's one in the tent with the shadows. 
Uh, wasn't that on an Austin Powers thing? Um, any event, she will. He'll come up with it in a second. Uh, she was sitting here going, "Yeah, I'm doing a new film." Uh, she had never been heard of before, and uh, and she goes, "Yeah, it's um, it's about the porn." In- yep. Mimi Rogers? No, it's about the porn industry in the '70s. Uh, I wear roller skates the whole time. It stars uh, Burt Reynolds and Marky Mark's brother. And we're like, "What?" We're like, "What?" what? Adam goes, "Who is your agent? Oh, you need a new agent." It's I'm, her name's going to come to me in a second. Uh, just think, Roller Girl. Just look, look up Roller Girl in, in Heather Graham. Uh, Heather Graham in Boogie Nights. Uh. And uh, and Adam goes, "You need a new agent." Burt Reynolds in a movie. Why are you? What the hell? And that's Adam's now favorite movie. And we really he did he did about ten minutes on you. You got to get a new agent. This is ridiculous. Roller Girl, porn industry in the seventies. This is going to be a disaster. Isn't that funny? But anyway, yeah. so that that kind of dovetails into the marketing. Uh, systems in that we sometimes you don't see things that are going to be well received until they are out there. Yeah, and you know what? What I really tried to develop is uh, understand. It's first of all, the book is a political modern day history book about how political campaigns have been run since two thousand, and I go through. Uh, both Bush uh, victories, Obama's victories, Trump's win, and then Biden's win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of lay out how they did it and how uh, from the political from the political campaign standpoint, it's created probably the most innovative marketing in the world because we have this thing called Election Day, which is this unavoidable deadline. We have winners and losers. and And then I said, man, you know, I wonder if I could apply this to businesses. Over the last half decade, I have done that. We've had incredible results. And it's this five-step sort of formula that we use to elect presidents, right? So I've been a part of three winning presidential campaigns and um, 1,407 election wins overall over the last 25 years. Out of how many? What's that? Out of how many? Oh, geez. I didn't count that. Drew. Um, but <laughs> oh, no, I've won you're, you're... more than I've lost. I'll okay. give you that All much. Right, but, <clears throat> but the point is, is that uh, I wanted to lay out this sort of historical overview of how political campaigns had been won. A lot of them I was a part of. And then um, I wanted to show businesses that in this crazy world that we live in where, by the way, um, there's a book called Contagious by a guy named Jonah Berger, the Wharton School of Business. And he has this quote now, or this study now that says that we are seeing up to 10,000 ads per day offline and online. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is tell you, like, if you're competing with 10,000 ads per day, you're not competing with, if you're a bike seller, you're not competing with other bike sellers. You're competing against shoe sellers, online food sellers, right. um, tire sellers. Like, you're competing against everybody. And there's a unique formula that we've utilized to win presidential races that businesses can use. And every business that we've worked with has done it, has grown their bottom line and exploded with sales. And I lay out, the last thing I'll say is in the book, uh, if you want a textbook, this is not your book. This book is chock full of nothing but stories. I teach the lessons through uh, com- com- political war stories, uh, you know, campaign stories, and I tell it also through business uh, case studies and stories, and it's very, very, very entertaining. Are you going to give us those five steps, or do we have to read the book? Oh, good. No, I'm happy to give you the five steps. Let's hear it. The, why don't I lay it out how it works in politics, and I'll quickly run through how it works in business. Right. So in politics, the the candidate... It sits down with me, and inevitably, 
they asked me, or I asked them, sorry, uh, you know, let's say they want to run for governor and they sit down and they say, I want to run for governor. I said, great. What do you believe in? What are your, you know what policy do it? Let's do it with me right now. Oh, okay. I want to run for governor. Okay, good. Uh, So California, so Drew, what are your top policy issues? Uh, The fact that the legislature is destroying the state, the laws preventing the ability to help homelessness, uh, and the fiscal mismanagement, and and the excessive powers of unions. The lack of of power to the people. I would tell you that if... The people that have no power in the state. If you and I were to get together... Yeah. I'm not saying we have it, but if you were to get together and you were, and I said, we're going to spend an hour and I want you to map out all of these issues, right? Mm-hmm. Inevitably, you'd probably come up with about 10 to 20 different things that you're passionate about. You mean within, any, within, within each of those categories or beyond those categories? Beyond those categories. Okay. It could be uh, economic. It could be environmental. Okay. You know, it yep. could be uh, COVID related. It could yep. be, you know, you could just keep going down the list. Yep. So then I would tell you, great, Drew, thank you for doing that. Okay. Give me a little time. I'm going to come back to you. What I would do is, and I'm going to give you a very elementary explanation, but for the sake of timing and of this podcast, I'm, this is how we do it. I would go take what's called a benchmark survey. And a benchmark survey is not the kind of polls you see. And uh, by the way, I'm about to pull a little bit on the curtain back on how it all works. So it's not what you see on CNN or Fox News and where they go, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom is up. Gavin Newsom is down. I don't care about the horse race. I never really care about the horse race. What I care about is what the voters think. And what I would do is I would take the 10 to 20 issues you said were your top priorities. Mm-hmm. And I would go poll the voters. And I would eventually understand, and this happens every single time we run a race, we would find two or three issues that are so passionate in the voters' minds that they would cross party lines. That, that is with, within, that the, they would, within the ones I have Within listed. your yeah. list, nothing else, just your list. But I would find, you, inevitably, you'll say fiscal issues. Well, if I polled fiscal issues and I found that the voters cared about it, but it's not that big of a deal, I'd say, okay, Drew, here's the thing. We're going to find the top two issues that the voters care about to such a high extreme. And you have alignment with them because they're what you care about. And I would tell you, that's how we're going to run your campaign on those two issues. You may occasionally talk about the other issues, but when we talk about running ads, when we're talking about running a real marketing campaign for, for a candidacy, then I'm only going to, the brain can only handle so much information. You try to go out and explain 10 to 20 issues. No one's going to pay attention right, to you. Right. You focus in on the two issues they care about, but it's also the top, what, you know, top issues you care about. Well, but I, I mean, look at what, what Trump did. America first. Boom. That's right. it. That's Absolutely. So once we find those two issues where you have alignment with the voters and the the voters care about those issues so much that you will win the race if you run on them. The next thing I'm going to do is build out step two, which is I'm going to build out a strategic plan for you to run your campaign on those issues. Well, hold on. I want I want to go back to the uh, polling the voters. What what if it's a business? What do you have to do? Do you have to go do an online survey or something? Or how do you do that? Yeah, so the way I do it, but I also give ways that people can do it in the book that don't have anything to do with me, but it's easier for me to explain it. The way I do it is I have a um, partnership with the largest data collection, analytics, and AI company in America. I can take a customer list of a company, or I can put a pixel on their website, and I can literally track, grab those IP addresses of those customers or those clients or their website visitors, and I track their online movements. I can tell you... You track their eye movements? 
there online are online, online movements. Okay, got online it. Movements. like where are you it's going not, on the page and stuff? Yeah, the database that I work with, we we yeah. do this both on the political side and on the consumer side. Our database has two hundred million plus American consumers, mm-hmm. five hundred and fifty million plus connected devices. We track ten billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. So I'm able to get the IP address of a customer list or a website pixel. We can grab the IP address. We can track their movements online. And then I can tell you every single thing about those groups of individuals. I can tell you why they buy things. I can tell you what they buy. I can tell you what they read, what they watch. I can tell you the social media or social media platforms they use in a chronological order. I can even tell you their top values in life. And you can go, whoa, that's really scary. I use it so I can make better connections for my clients, whether political or, or on, the, on the consumer side. I use it to have better empathy and connecting with people. I don't use it uh, in any kind of nefarious way, but that's how I utilize it. Mm. All right. Keep going now from the other. What's next? Yeah. So then I'm going to build out a strategic marketing plan. If you said, Philip, let's go run ads now that we know these two issues, that would be a massive waste of money. (laughs) You have to build a plan, like a business plan, or you have to build a campaign plan. You have to know how to use those two issues. You have to be strategic. You have to put a budget together. You have to put a timeline together. Boom, boom, boom. You do all that. All right. Step three for us is now that we know what the data says and you have a plan in place and that plan really brings the alignment between the candidate or the business owner and the voter or the consumer. And so now you go build the brand. And the reason the brand is the third step, let's just take a, the website. You don't want to, if you're a candidate, you don't want to send somebody to your campaign website. It, it doesn't speak to them. Um, to a website a that st- doesn't, that's not good, you mean? Right. Let's yeah. say you're talking about issues they don't care about. Yeah. Well, that would turn off that voter. Or you, you talk about you know, a product or a service you're selling for a business, but you're not highlighting what the consumer actually wants to hear from you. So you have to fix the brand first. In fact, let me tell you this, uh, and I use this stat in the book, but 88%, uh, I think it's by CompuWare gave me, gave me this, but 88% of all consumers right now, if they have one bad experience on your website, will never come back again. Hmm. And I guarantee you and Gary have, you know, looked at some kind of product online and went, oh, that's interesting. You click on it and then you get some junky website. You go, nope, 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 nope. And you swipe out of it and you've never gone back. I can tell you it's ubiquitous that almost everybody has told me, oh, yeah, I've done that. My point is, is that you've got to get the brand right. You got to tell the story right. And you got to do it before you go spend a lot of money, Hmm. before you run ads. That seems like a very hard proposition. I mean, it, sa- it sounds easy to say it, to get getting the 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 brand correct. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like a really sounds easy to say it, but it sounds like a really tough thing to actually do. You know what I mean? Because there's no formula for getting, or maybe you have one. Maybe you're going to tell me that. Well, but, that is the formula. Is you know everybody's different, but if I find out that um, COVID and fiscal issues are your top two issues, no, 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 getting the brand right, meaning. Brands are pretty complicated things, right, Gary? You're, you're leaning in here. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and I I would imagine that, as Phil's alluding to, it is very different for each person. Like I, I know for myself, you give me 
too many pop-ups, I'm just leaving the website, even if I'm interested in the product. But I'm sure that doesn't apply to everyone. It's just, but that's just the the experience interfacing with the website. Is that is that what you're talking about? The experience of the of the website or the, or the actual like the me message. as governor as I'm governor, I want to be a brand. I'm worried about how do I figure message. out my brand is? How do right. I really understand all, what that is? Experience is easy to easy to fix or easy to work on. The message is what everybody most everybody gets wrong. You've got to get the message. Let, again, let me just go back to this. Let's say it's fiscal issues and COVID. We just learned that those pop off the charts, right? Mm-hmm. Your website is going to develop a message around those two issues. So when it's time to run a, an ad campaign and the voters go, you know what? I know that old Dr. Drew. I, I love that guy. Let, let's see what he's all about. They go to your website and, and boom, there's you. Uh, there's your lovely wife and your lovely kids, but then also it's here's why I'm running for governor. I'm running to fix well, the fiscal mess, and yeah. I'm running to never have COVID restrictions or well, COVID I was going to say happen again. If if COVID is what's mobilizing people, I would think message of of freedom would be the thing that people would well, respond yeah, yeah. to if they're sick I'm of what California is doing. Very top line on this. You're no, but but uh, uh, right. but I'm switching my but I'm learning about. So my brand could be. Uh, getting regaining control of the state for the people. That's my brand. Absolutely. That's my brand. Yeah, that's why you develop the step two. That's why you develop a strategic plan okay. because you you nuance all this stuff. Okay, right? okay, yeah, yeah. So you put the brand in place. And, and then the brand, the again, I, I, when you say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to yeah. keep drilling on this, but when you say the yeah. brand, are you talking yeah. about as presented on the website? It could be it's be the website. It could be the video we create well, let's, put let's, on your website. Let's yeah. look at Trump as sort of the the uh, model for branding. Make America great again. That's the brand, right? That's is is brand. that the kind of thing you're talking about? Like some some That's slogan or some? Uh. It, it's not just a slogan. It's what you're running on uh. because we know from the data. What would you recommend? Those voters what would you want what, to know about that issue? What would you recommend? My you? brand include. I don't know until I see what the voters want, and I understand okay. what your top issues are, which you gave me, but I'd want to drill down on that a lot, a lot more in okay. depth. Okay, now I get it. Okay, keep going. So the fourth step is now that we've done those three things, before you go out and spend a ton of money on ads, I want to test those two messages many different ways to figure out what works the best. So mm-hmm. let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I am not here to talk about right versus left for policy issues. This example comes from Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. I'm talking about how they marketed to win the race. One of the things they did, and I walked through this in the book, but one of the things they did was they would run a Facebook ad, one ad, one message. They'd run it 162 different ways. Jesus. And they would put a small minutia budget in place for it. Not a big one, small one. And what they would do is they would run an ad with a blue background, a red background, a woman on the ad, a man on the ad, a different font sizes, different fonts, um, uh, the message in the right corner, the message in the left corner. But inevitably, they found eight or nine of those messages of those key points. They would find eight or nine that blew through the roof. They couldn't explain why. They only know that they they were honing in on the right issues. But there was something within those issues, right, that exploded for that voter. And so what did they and when they went to the fifth step, which is now to launch your ad campaign or your marketing campaign, what was what where did they run? They ran the eight or nine that exploded off off all their ads on the right. testing phase. Of course. So before you go spend a ton of money, and there are plenty of people out there who tell you go spend a lot of money on day one, I don't. 
And I don't for any business owner. I tell you, you've got to work through the steps to eliminate your risk every step of the way. And every step of the way, you got to get this right. So when you go spend money to run your campaign, you know it works and it puts you in a better position to win or in the business sense to convert more customers. All right. I'm still with you. So that was that's, those are the five steps. Oh, I, I thought we were still on step three. So, so list some, no, list, step four is <laughs> testing. Okay, got and step it. Step five is now that we found out what works from the testing phase, we're ready to launch the, the ad campaign, the marketing. Got campaign. it, got it, got it. You've heard me talk about public rec. I mean, so often the pants don't feel good. They don't fit good. They're too long or they're too short. The waist isn't right or the inseam isn't right or the pockets aren't good, which is my biggest complaint. No, no, no. With public rec, the material is extraordinary. It's stretchy. It looks great. It looks like slacks, but feels like like a, a sweatpant and the pockets. They are deep enough. There's zippers. There's a pocket in the back that holds my wallet. You know I've been a, a fan of Public Rec since I pers- first put on my first pair. They're great for lounging at home. They look sharp. You can wear them anywhere. The all-day, everyday pant comes in waist and inseam sizing, so they fit short guys, tall guys, everyone in between. Made from this breathable, stretchy, moisture-wicking fabric. You can wear them all day, and they look brand new. They don't wrinkle or anything, and they don't they don't look like a sweatpant. They look like a like a slack. They again, as I said, the zipper pockets, and my your phone's not falling out anymore. Come in nine colors, one for each day of the week, and more. Now you can get your whole wardrobe from Public Rec. They have incredibly comfortable shorts, t-shirts, Henleys, polos, hoodies, jackets, even golf gear. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer for just our listeners. Go to publicrec, P-U-B-L-I-C-R-E-C dot com slash Drew. Use promo code Dr. Drew to receive 10% off. That is publicrec, R-E-C. Use our promo code Dr. Drew for 10% off. Better help. You've heard me talk about them. Customize online therapy, video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone in person if you don't feel comfortable or wait in a waiting room. Or, you know, it, it's just a much easier way to do therapy, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. That's right. It's whatever you want it to be. Get tools with help with motivation, depression, anxiety, dealing with relationships, social phobias. Don't be ashamed. These are normal, and you should be happy to take care of you. Join the millions who are seeing what therapy is really about. It may or may not be for you, but it's worth looking into because, as I said, you are your greatest asset. The podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dr. Drew Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month of BetterHelp.com slash Drew. Again, that is BetterHelp.com slash Drew. And then, and then back to businesses. It seems to me, I was having a conversation with someone like about this kind of issue this morning, and so I've been thinking about these things. I don't know how else to say this, but the brand has to be crafted to the where, where the buyers are. If that makes sense, it has to be a a you know every business owner Drew will tell you all about their business, but that may not be what the customer wants. Right, <laughs> right. right. Same thing with the politician and the voter. So what we have to do is find alignment. What is the business owner and the customer? Where do they find that alignment? And then that's that's you know obviously how you build your brand. Look, can I give you an example? Yes. So we work with a national pest control company, and they came to us and they had built 
a massive, they, uh, their business had exploded on the backs of the Great Recession in the late 2000, 2000s. And they came to us in 2017. They said, we are hemorrhaging money and we're spending $1.8 million in our marketing right now. And we're hemorrhaging money. We've lost $2 million in market share. We don't know what's going on. I said, what are you running your ad campaign on? They said, well, every ad campaign has some kind of message about discounts in it. And I said, why do you run discounts? They said, because it's built our business since the Great Recession. And I said, well, it doesn't work anymore. So we overlaid all their customers online. We tracked them for uh, a month. And then we came back with this massive report and we said, your customers are older, they have discretionary income, and they look at discounts as cheap, but they bundle their services. And so if you, you, you frame it around bundling services rather than discounts, everything will change. The, these people, all the, this uh, demographic for this pest control company also uh, had children out of the household and they were contributing money to charities rather than contributing money to their children. And this company had contributed lots of money to charity and had never told that story. And also the customer wanted green products, safe products, and they had never marketed their green safe products. And so we went through those. We built a plan for them. We, we completely redid their entire website. We shot ads for them all on these issues. We went out and tested it, blew through the roof. And then we went to step five. We launched the campaign. Now, let me get something clear. Nobody is going to hire a pest control company because they, ha- they give to charity or they have green products or they have bundled services. They hire a pest control company because they want the damn bugs dead. That's it. Right. Now, when they go Google, I need a pest control company, three companies pop up on the, on the search. And now I'm trying, that's, what I'm, that's where I come in. What's the difference that makes the difference between those three companies? Mm. And if I can connect with them when they come to that website and see that brand, that's all that matters. In the fifth month of working with us, they had the greatest month in the history of their company. Hmm. Not because what did you do? Wait, wait, what did you do? Not because of me, but yeah. because we saw what the customers wanted and we tailored their entire marketing campaign around the customer, not around discounts, which was what they were losing a ton of money on. Mm. What did they do? What did you do again? Yeah, we ran ads uh, on uh, uh you know, where we ran ads on green products, we ran ads oh, I see. All on that stuff. Got giving it, got money got to it. charities and the local communities, all the things they had, and how they got could it. bundle termite service with pest service and save money. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, really interesting stuff. I, I again, I, I just think this it, in the, in today's era. One of the reasons I was talking to somebody about it, I was talking about pharmacists and about how things used to be in this country or pharmacies I was talking about where you used to walk in a pharmacy and there would be a pharmacist and, who owned the store and, and his family and his assistants representing the pharmacist owner and they would help you guide you through the aisles and figure out what's going on and what you need and what you know what's bothering you what you're looking for solutions for that don't exist no more and in a way, we're left just with the ability to respond to colors and slogans and labels totally. and brands. And I think as a result of that, we become more primitive. You know what I mean? We're like, it's like primitive man we're going after here. We're just going after your brainstem, not after your frontal cortex. Wow. That's, uh, that is a, I have not thought about that. I think you're 100% right. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and look, in a land of 10,000 ads a day, you better use a science. I mean, basically, I call it a scientific formula. But you better use a proven system that you know will work. Yeah. I don't care if it's not mine, but you can. It doesn't have to be mine, but it could be anything. 
But if you're just out there throwing a bunch of things against the wall and thinking it's going to work, it's not. If you're a business owner or a politician, it just doesn't. Yep. Yep. I agree. So uh, speaking of being a patient, one of the reasons you've been on this show is to discuss – I'm dealing with patients while I'm trying to talk to you too, by the way. I'm having all kinds of Thanks. patient stuff bleed in on me. <laughs> but um, you were uh, talking about your medical stuff a couple times you've been here. How are things going? So yeah, I uh, was diagnosed with a um, rare esophageal disease called uh, echolasia. Um, back about 2012. So I've had it um, nine years now. But basically, the muscles and the nerves do not work in my esophagus. So um, no food is emptied into the stomach unless I am like pounding wa- liquids or water or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had uh, 18 procedures, minor procedures on the esophagus and four major surgeries on it since 2014. And, um, you know, uh, long story short, the you know long term progno- prognosis is is unknown. There's some can be some bad things, could be nothing. We don't know. Um, and a couple years ago, I just said I don't accept this anymore, and I decided I'd try to take my entrepreneurial skills and find a cure to the disease. Wrote an article in Inc. Magazine, 2017. Uh, a researcher on the disease found it at Johns Hopkins. Um, came uh, approached me and said, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in helping you find this cure." But they, he just read the us, article, and that was what led to that. Well, he got a Google alert wow. from the word achalasia. Wow! And yep, and um, we got connected. We ended up putting a team around me. Um, you'll know these medical terms better than most, but uh, we had approval from the FDA and the Internal Review Board at Johns Hopkins. And basically, we created a compassionate use case, which is not even a clinical trial. Right. It's before the clinical trial. Right. I'm the first person in the history of this particular disease to ever attempt a cure, and it's been never even attempted on an animal. And what happened was in the fall of 2019, I went to Hopkins. They extracted skeletal stem cells out of my thigh muscle. They grew them in a lab um, right before COVID in February of 2020. They inserted 225 million stem cells into my esophagus to try to regenerate the muscles and the nerves. Um, and I couldn't go back to Hopkins for nine months to do a checkup. Oh, <laughs> but, was it, and, that uh, was, and that was a problem? They wanted you sooner? They wanted me in May of 2020. And yeah. I didn't get to go back. Because of COVID. Uh, yeah, because of COVID um, until the late summer. And uh, went back, did a ton of uh, procedures and scopes and they determined it did not work Mm. um now we are going back for fda approval and hopkins approval internal review board approval again and uh, this time they are going to insert between 500 600 million stem cells and and now i'm a a little confused by the stem cell because yeah you you grew them as muscle progenitors Yes, uh, at a lab uh, called Cook Myocyte. So, so they're not really stem cells; they're sort of early myocytes, right? Uh, they're you, not. They're you not what we call these pl- terms better than me. Yeah, but well, yes, they took my stem cells and then they they made monos- myocytes, replicated yeah. them or whatever. So, yeah. so, so there's something called the pluripotent stem cell, which is stem cells that can turn into anything. That's what we start of when we're an egg. We're pluripotent, uh, and, and there's various versions of that. And, and as you specialize the cells more and more they're obviously they're they may be stem cells in the sense that they're early progenitors of a particular cell line and i suspect that's what they're doing because with 
stem cells generally, the only thing they've shown so far is that stem cells release anti-inflammatory mediators and reduce inflammation. They don't go and become muscle cells. They don't come go and become nerves. You can't put them in the brain and they become nerves and go where they're supposed to go. That just right. does not happen. But these early yeah. progenitors might do something like that. Yeah. Uh, so is that so is that the theory here? The, the 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 theory behind why they decided to do it this way and take skeletal stem cells instead of pluripotent, uh, basically your belly fat stem cells right, or right. placental stem cells, is right. because. They said uh, that there had been tests on mice for, that uh, had in, incontinence and that smooth muscle of the anus is similar to the esophagus and that they saw regeneration in mice on, on that particular smooth muscle. Got it. And because your esophagus is smooth muscle. It, it's uh, it's skeletal figured- at the top and it's smooth at the bottom. In other words, you're in your, in your throat where you can swallow consciously, that's skeletal right. muscle. But what pushes it down into the stomach, that's smooth muscle. Correct. And yeah. so their, their, their attempt was, hey, you know, this had worked on um, certain animals uh, in the, you know, I, uh, with, I guess, incontinence. And so the, the muscle and the contractions uh, were created from that. And so they decided this could work for humans and I became the first subject of that of that uh, attempt. And do and you say you're going to have it done again? Or you did have it done. Again? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they're going to double the amount of stem cells they will put into my esophagus this time. I went 225 million stem cells inserted in 2020, and then if I do it, which we're planning to do it in August of 2021, it'll be about 500 to 600 million stem cells. And who pays for this? I do. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's no way to get the. I mean, you're just out of pocket. That's it. It's such an experimental. You think any uh, health insurance is going to pay for something? <laughs> well, you would think that there'd be a way to get some research funding or something to help you out. Yeah. The the growing of the stem cells, the the lab has decided that they would fund that. But the actual procedures and everything, I, I'm the one that has to fund that. Forgive the question from a pure Luddite, Phil, but is there any potential of recovering financial uh, expenditure on the back end if, if the basis of your – if your experiment is successful and it becomes the basis for a treatment that will be used in the future on others? Uh, I have no idea. It's a really good question. I should probably look into that. I just have not. Yeah, could you could you at least be an investor in whatever? Yeah, just have a stake in the future <laughs> yeah. procedures yeah. if they become you know there widespread. You yeah, it's I never thought about that. That's uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I should have thought of that. Yeah, That's a good see, idea. listen. Uh, well, I, I wish you the best with this. How how are you doing symptomatically? I mean, how is it generally going? Um, you know, every year it deteriorates a little bit more. So, um, it's a little harder these days. You know, I take, you know, our mutual friend, Dr. Stephen Gundry, um, is, is the doctor I work with on a lot of my blood work. And, uh, he, he's got me on about 50 to 60, uh, uh, supplements a day. 50 to um, 60? Oh yeah. I oh, take boy. a lot of supplements. Is it um, working? And, is yeah. It so, I mean, I, okay. All my markers have have gone incredibly like the, the bad ones have gone good. The, the good ones have got better. The ones in the middle have gotten better. Everything has improved. I've done this for about three years with him now. What are you measuring? Um, what's that? What are you measuring? About a hundred, 
127 different things. So it's a lot. Hmm. Um, but to take those supplements and then not have muscle to get those supplements down, um, that's a, that's a, uh, a little challenge for me on a daily basis. You must have to take a, one of those five gallon jugs of water. I do and pour it down. Yep. yep I do. Yeah. And is we it- actually did a, uh, this is way too technical for your audience. But we did a barium swallow when I was at Hopkins recently Yeah. and a barium swallow is, you know, they basically have an x-ray on you and you swallow this chalky, milky, nasty thing. But they, they showed, they, they had me take a bunch of pills and then they, I swallowed this chalky thing so they could monitor where those pills, and they just sat there they in my esophagus for like 45 minutes. Have you had manometry done where they put the pressure devices down your esophagus too? I've had so many manometries yeah, done, yeah. yes. And has anybody suggested surgical? I forget. I'm sure we've had this conversation in the past. but I I've had a Heller myotomy with fundiplication, and I've had uh, – there's a, a – a, um, another procedure called the, I can't, I don't know what it's called. It's called POEM, POEM. Uh, it's a more, it's a new procedure where they go in through your mouth and, and slice up the esophagus. My esophagus looks like an upside down pom-pom. It's just shredded like crazy so that I can get food to empty into my stomach. But yeah, I mean, I've had four major surgeries on the esophagus and Jeez. a lot of scopes and Jeez. a lot of, uh, expansions and balloon expansions. For those who maybe haven't heard the past episodes, when we first had you on about three or four years ago, Phil, I remember that you kind of blew our mind in that you were in studio from Florida. You had flown out to California and you told us you were traveling with a blender because it was the only way you could ingest any of your food. Is that still, still the reality? Yeah, I, 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 uh, that, that is one of my meals every day. I, I remember I told this story to Corolla and I said uh, that, you know, I have to, you know, I get up really early, like 4.35 in the morning and I do this blender thing. And, and he goes, oh, I'm sh-, you know, first thing he goes to is, oh, I'm sure the people in the room next to you love you. <laughs> <That's Adam. laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Because I have. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, I, 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 when you say it's shredded, what, what do you, what is, I understand what you're talking about. You're well, shredded they basically by previous procedures? cut it so it, it, it can expand and food can get empty. So it's not so restricted. So they've literally gone in and just kind of taken a, a blade and just kind of cut the esophagus. From, because they're trying to cut the, the muscles. Not all the way through. They're trying yeah. to cut the muscles. Correct. And, and that m- leaves an more of an open conduit to the stomach, so all the acid now gets up in your in your esophagus, which makes things worse. Right, but we, uh, you and I have talked about this. So since I've worked with Dr. Gundry, I'm, I've been on his diet for four years now. I take no PPI, PPI uh, proton pump inhibitors, which you take for acid reflux. I don't take any prescription medication for this particular disease, even though I'm way susceptible to acid reflux. Yeah. But that diet works for me. His diet works for me. Good. Uh, all right. So the other topic I wanted to get into was this Facebook banning. What happened? My book got banned on Facebook. This um, book, so, the Undefeated Marketing, or one of the other? Yes, ones? yes. So before the book came out, I uh, reached out to a few friends. I, you guys may have even been included, and I said, "I'd love for you to give me." I had a bunch of different book covers, and I wanted to figure out what worked the best, uh, what people liked the best, and so. Um, uh, I sent it out to a group of 50 people. They came back and then basically it was between the, all three covers uh, that were my options for the book. It was like an even vote. So I, I went to my marketing team and I said, let's go run some, let's go test some Facebook ads 
on these covers to see what people click through the most. And that will give me some optics. We submitted the ads through Facebook and they came back to me and said, uh, we are banning your uh, your ability to run an ad on our platform. And I said, why? And they said, because your subtitle of your book is how to grow your business and build your audience using the secret formula that elects presidents. So you say elects presidents in there and you're trying to influence an election. Oh my God. And so I, I, oh I said, now remember, God. this is not, this is not me posting on social media. And the reason this is a distinction I want to make clear, this is me trying to run an ad. Yeah. There are millions of people whose lives depend on being able to run, ad on, run ads on social media platforms. And since 2018, we've felt these ad bans on the political ad side of things. And you can think to yourself, oh, those political ads, they stink. Who cares? I, I'm good with their ban. But they're coming for you next, like cancel culture. Mm. And so what has well, happened is literally it's, part of cancel culture. Right. Now it is seeped into uh, the business world. I have so many business owners that have told me that they have had their ads banned. Since I, so I wrote about it. I went on Fox News. I wrote a, a huge article in The Federalist, a national publication about it. Um, but they banned it. When, when I appealed the decision, I went to them and I said, this is a business marketing book. It has nothing to do with electing or, or an election. They said denied without any explanation. They wouldn't give me any explanation. And I just said, well, you know, I have a little bit of a platform. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a ruckus here. And so I did. And like I got on Fox News, wrote a national publication. And Dr. Drew, this is what's crazy. So I had a, um, a, a charity reach out to me and they said, we also got banned. And I went, what? And the charity, um, they support pulling sexually and physically abused kids out of these physically and sexually abused homes. Mm -hmm. That is the, the, the point. That is the whole uh, charity. They rescue children that are being abused and they put them in a center. They take care of them medically. They work with the police force. They're in partnership with the police force. They put them in safe foster homes. It is the most incredible charity I've ever seen. They are miracle workers. And because of COVID, they had the worst financial year ever. Mm. So they went to Facebook and they said, we want to run an ad campaign, a fundraising campaign, so we can raise money to help more sexually and physically abused kids and raise money so we can do it. Facebook said... Um, no, we have an issues ad ban in place and you fall in the issue ad ban. So they refused to let this charity run ads in the most challenging year of their existence. Be because of the term sexual abuse or what? No, not the term, but they, um, they put them, uh, Facebook puts this charity in an issues cause. And because of that, they had banned all issue causes from running ads on Facebook. Why not every other charity that uh, goes after helping? A, a large majority of them fell in that. I don't know Ugh. the distinctions, but I just know that they did. Yes. And then Facebook kept the ban in place until March 4th of 2021. But they didn't tell anybody that the ban was going to be lifted, including my ban. Mm. They just announced it the day before. Mm. So this charity couldn't plan a month in advance knowing the ban was going to be lifted and they could start fundraising again. Right. So you basically put them out until the spring of 2021. And this is, you know how much physical and sexual abuse has happened because of the lockdowns. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. And then the, the other story, which uh, there was a business book, uh, a business author reached out to me, a guy named Justin Donald. He, he hit number one on the Wall Street Journal 
bestsellers list for his financial book, Mm. but it almost didn't hit the bookshelves because Amazon banned his book because in the book, he talked about how he invested during the COVID-19 pandemic. And they told him he had to remove the word COVID-19, coronavirus, and COVID from his book, or they would not put it on their platform because he was not a doctor. And when he appealed and said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a doctor, I'm an investor. I talk about how this works for investing. They said, sorry, denied. He had to remove the words from his book or they almost didn't. Or they Well, he shouldn't it. feel bad because even as a physician, they'll, they n- nailed me. I mean, they have no, they're, they're help. I, I, by the way, me talking to another physician twice got tagged. Once off Periscope and once off uh, YouTube. Just just two doctors sitting, just sharing ideas, thinking about things, talking about new treatments, talking about long haulers, talking about where we got things right, where we got things wrong. Nope, unacceptable. And and I and I, YouTube sent me uh, a, a, an entire uh, chapter. There's this multi-page document about what you know that we we violated their policies. Here are our policies, which I read through carefully. And I wasn't anywhere near. I mean, these were outer space allegations. You know, literally, I would never get near any. Only thing I came near on, I found one thing. I had the temerity to say that after having had COVID, I had good immunity. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Even as a physician. And I have it measured. I have it measured every three weeks. I have objective proof of active immunity at a level that's orders of magnitude above the vaccine. Got it. I've got it in paper. No, no. I guess. I don't know. They wouldn't tell me what the violation was, much like you. You guess what it is, and uh, and then you never know because you can't even adjust course. And and so Congress is looking at this now. That it's um, a, a section in the law that gives these uh, platforms immunity. And there are some Democrats that are putting a proposal together that it could get bipartisan support. The problem is uh, it, it, the, the bill that they're putting forward, I think it's called the Safe Tech Act. Uh, but basically it's saying that the, the social media companies would be liable for denying ads uh, or excuse me, for allowing ads that violated you know, certain policies. They would finally be liable. The problem with that is now the social media companies are going to deny even more ads because they don't want to be liable for anything. And, the, and listen, uh, I had a book uh, cover that was banned. Not the worst thing in the world, trust me. I know that. The problem is, is that there are millions and millions of business owners out there who's, who support their families and, and support their employees all based on running ads on Facebook or Instagram or Amazon. And if this happens, you're eliminating a large portion of the economy. And I always tell people, you, you can say, oh, screw those pop political ads. That's great because we got hit with these bans in 2018. But they're coming for you next. I, that is what I need to tell. Like, I'm screaming from the hilltops. You, you don't understand. When you decide that free speech isn't for one person, it's eventually going to not be for anyone. And so this is the problem that I see, and, and I'm trying to fight back on it. Do you can you send me your article, please? Yeah, please email it to me because I've I've been asked to come speak at a libertarian talk of some type, libertarian organization. I'm and I'm sympathetic to libertarian groups, and I thought uh, this could be an interesting thing for me to talk about because I'm, ex- I'm experiencing it. I'm experiencing it directly all the time, getting canceled on Facebook, canceled on whatever, and and it's just. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, back to us being primitive man, uh, fairness is something everybody is not fair, not fair. And that's a it's kind of a primitive idea, fairness. But 
this isn't fair. <laughs> it's not fair just to send people to the uh, cornfields or what was it? Uh, where, where do they get sent? Wish them out to the cornfields. Yeah, wish out to the cornfields mm-hmm. uh, without an explanation for why or how to get back. Yeah, and by the way, I, I talk about how this hits businesses, but it hits charities. Like they're they're going after charities now. Like this is incredible. It's insane. I know. I know. Well, if you're ever in a position where you're looking to see for a physician, you can't find one, you search, you find one that looks good, you're on hold, you rearrange your schedule, and you find out the doctor doesn't take your insurance. Well, now you can download the free ZocDoc app, easiest way to find an excellent physician, instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can research and search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read verified patient reviews, book appointments, in-person video chat, never wait on hold whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist eye doctor or other specialties zocdoc has you covered go to zocdoc zocdoc.com slash drew download the app sign up for free every month millions of people use zocdoc that's right this is one of the efficiencies now we have in medicine where you can use the app it's healthcare made easy now is the time to prioritize your health Go to ZocDoc.com slash Drew. Download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That is ZocDoc.com slash Drew. I learned recently that health insurance does not cover costs of an emergency medical flight even. That's interesting. I guess I'm not surprised. Even when comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with substantial deductibles and co-pays. Protect your family, protect your finances with Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household. Every day when you're away from home or at home, it's just pennies a day to keep your whole family covered. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, Dr. Drew listeners will get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. That makes the cost of membership $35, right? Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Dr. Drew and use offer code Drew. Well, uh, listen, I, I am feeling your pain, my friend. Uh, and as always, it's uh, great to talk to you. I don't feel your esophageal pain. I feel your pain. You. Your, your, I feel your cancel pain, uh, which we're all going to have to contend with. I don't know if you noticed, Bill Maher started talking about it lately. You know, maybe, yeah, and rightfully so. Yeah. And it's, it's, look, you only need to study your French Revolution. That's all you need to study. It tells you everything you need to know about what we're going through here. Uh, nobody's pure enough. That's the way it is. So the Jacobins put you up on the uh, guillotine. The Sanculettes come up, put the Jacques Benz on the on the guillotine. It's just how human behavior works unless you say, stop, everybody. Let's reconsider this. Let's be kind. Let's uh, be sane. Let's be you know uh, critically reflective about things and stop this craziness. But I guess people are going to have to go further with it before they really are able to do that. Who is the book for? The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience. Who do you want to read it? Uh, I want – Business owners, marketers, people that are interested in politics, how it, how the as uh, as Adam likes to say, how the sausage is made. Or it's not the sausage, <laughs> how the sludge is packed. I think he says um, it, it really is a modern day look at how 
uh, political campaigns have been run and what businesses can learn from them. And then um, we, you know, with this data that we talked about how to look at consumers or voters, we created uh, for free, a free data assessment for any business owner out there. That's like, I want to look at and understand how my con- customers uh, you go to philipstutz.com slash insights and it's a free assessment. My team will walk you through what you should be looking at and how you wow. should. Wow. Shall I do that for my governorship? I, I do it for you for free, oh, Dr. Wow. Drew, obviously, it, I do it for any listener for free. And, so, yeah. And what's on Win Big Media? Well, Win Big Media is the marketing agency I run. Okay. I'm the CEO Got of that. It. So, Got that it. is uh, that's uh, what I, what I com Insights is my brand, and that's just where I send people, but it would be my company that puts that together. That's when I actually decide to run. That's when I go on Win Big Media, right? Yeah. And yeah. then. Uh, I've created a, a podcast that we just launched called the Undefeated Marketing Podcast, and it's an oh. extension of this book. And we talk about all of these steps in depth uh, in much more detail. If that's something other people are interested, oh, in. great! And that's on the usual places. Just your all the store? usual places. Yep, we just launched it April sixth. Well, Phil, it's always great to talk to you. And uh, for those that don't know or don't remember from previous uh, conversations, Phil's the guy that met me in Washington and took me to the West Wing and. <laughs> That was quite an experience. You guys made some progress too. You 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 did good work. I I, I I'm still quite uh, affected by all that, and still worried about all the things we were talking about. But the the thing that we I don't know if you remember, but there was somebody from the economic advisors in the committee, and he mm-hmm. said, and he looked at me, and goes, "What about getting, uh, up turning over the IMD exclusion?" And I was like, "Oh my god, that would be everything." That's now where I'm focusing a lot of my energy. Good for I, you. I would like to overturn the IMD exclusion. By uh, the way, Drew, did you highlight the past episodes that Phil's been on? I did not. Uh, so it's episode three twenty six and four thirty three, and uh, we recently had the uh, the paywall that protects some of our older episodes completely taken down. So everything is available now. If you're interested in Phil, go back awesome. and listen to some of his uh, his earlier episodes for uh, for more on Phil. That was a wise decision. Do you know what led to that decision? Probably because nobody was paying to get behind the paywall. Uh, that was part of it, and I believe Apple is about to. Uh, by the time this airs, Apple, I believe, is mandating it. So, oh, interesting. <laughs> it was. Uh, I think oh. that we were compelled. How do they do that? How do they know? You know, it's 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 happening as we speak. This has all happened the week that we are recording this, so yeah. it's all a little unclear. But the uh, paywall was taken down as we record this about four days ago for every show on all of Podcast One. So, so inevitably, this is interesting, Phil. It might be interesting to you too. So, what what Apple is saying is that the ad revenue model for podcast is the only model they will support. Uh, yeah. I, actually, I think that there is a further component to this where Apple is Apple has changed the the terminology that they use in their podcast app. So you no longer subscribe to a podcast, you follow a podcast. And I believe that that is anticipation of podcasts within Apple and beyond going to a hybrid Patreon style model where subscribing would be something you pay for where you get one thing and following you get the free episodes. So I believe that they're taking down the paywall in anticipation of the business model so, changing. So, so they're going to be the Patreon. They Apple are going to have a component So you can't have your own paywall. You have to have their it's, paywall. It's kind of like they're taking both. the the Substack model, right? Correct. You can read some things on Substack and others you have to subscribe to it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. But good news for all the listeners is you can find all the old Philip episodes for free. No, I don't. I didn't. I, I thought behind the paywall was not good for us because we agree. keep referring back to things. But but what somebody like Sam Harris, who has you know part free and part not free, he has to not do that anymore? No, I think he'll still be able to do that. I think Apple is going to slowly open it up so that if you would like to go within their ecosystem exclusively, you can, but you don't have to. 
This feels like it has something to do with uh, Spotify. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as Spotify comes into the space, that's certainly yeah. a, a thing. And I think that as places like OnlyFans and Patreon become very prominent, you know, Only Apple. Fans. Well, only fa- there are <laughs> people. Like, what? I know that that's mostly a sex, a yeah. sex type thing, but yeah. there are people who just do who do podcasts and stuff on there too. And I just think, you know, if you think about Apple, uh, they're always late to the game. You know, the iPhone was was well after the advent of the smartphone. It changed the game because it was so good, <laughs> but it was not an early smartphone. I've been trying to do something called lo- Adam and I be on locals too. This thing called Locals, which is a sort of a right. separate it's some, of it's Ruben's made, some of it's thing. yeah, but it's yeah. but it's not. Denom- you know, it's not right or left. It's just whatever you want it to be, and you own it, and you have it, and it's your sort of little little own platform. And it, that's been a pretty interesting model. I yeah, like that local. So for me, locals. dot com. I think it's slash Doctor Drew. I think it's where you get it. Well, Philip, thank you so much, and uh, I will see you if I if I after I speak to Mister Schwarzenegger, uh, I'll go to uh, philipstutz. dot com and uh, you could just you could just media. I'll go to WinBig Media. Go to WinBig Media. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Drew. All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.